As always, please note that the views expressed by our guests during this episode do not necessarily reflect the views of our podcast or of the mission Steiger that we represent. Hope you enjoy the episode. You're listening to the Provoke and Inspire podcast. Welcome to the Provoke and Inspire podcast. This is part two of our two-part conversation with Amy Bird. Uh, we talk about her controversial book, Recovering from Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, How the Church Needs to Rediscover Her Purpose. Uh, this is a book that has caused quite the stir. Uh, she looks at and challenges some of the stereotypes, some of the ideas around gender. Uh, and we talk about all of that, both in part one and in the conversation that is about to follow. Uh, we also look at the idea of how can we have conversations about things that are tough, uh, about things that we may disagree on uh, in a way that still honors Jesus. So again, if you have not heard part one, please go back and listen. Otherwise, I think you're going to very much enjoy part two coming up in a minute here. Just a reminder, if you'd be willing to rate and review this podcast on iTunes, that would help us out a ton. And also for more information about the mission that we are part of, uh, you can go to steiger.org, S-T-E-I-G-E-R.org. You can find out how you can be involved. Uh, in reaching and discipling the global youth culture for Jesus. All right, I hope you enjoy part two of our interview with Amy Bird. Amy, you know, uh, going a bit more on that topic of how what we need to learn um, as brothers and sisters and as a church, I I was personally challenged just reading uh, some of um, what you've been writing, some of the different conversations around that. And I came across as well something uh, from Christianity Today, Ed Stetzer, a couple of years ago now, I think it is, from Beth Moore. She wrote a letter to my brothers. Um, and I was just kind of challenged by realizing what it can be like for women in leadership in the church uh, going through uh, in different denominations, different things, trying to serve, trying to do what God's called called her to do, and some of what women have had to face. And I, I just wondered if you could like challenge, you know, give give us something on that on those lines. What as what do we need to repent of? What do we as a church? What do we need to repent of in terms of the way we've uh, treated women and uh, some of the things that we've done that we really should learn from and change. Yeah, I don't want to say like the whole church needs to repent of this. I'm not sure <laughs> um, I can, you know, sweep that broadly. Um, but I identify with a lot of with what Beth Moore was saying in that letter. Um, you know, even from simple points of, um, I led a women's Bible study um, early on um, in my marriage. It was well attended. We were growing really uh, wonderfully in it. And, and these women were uh, not small talkers. <laughs> they asked hard questions. <laughs> and uh, my pastor at the time, he was planting a church, this church. Um, he was very gung-ho about having this women's Bible study. And he's like, here, let me, because I, you know, I asked for help and leadership in it. And he's like, here, let me give you this uh, systematic theology book that'll help you out. And I thought, wow, I didn't even know that you know, there was such a thing as systematic theology, you know, and um, that we can read that too. And um, it was very exciting to me. And so I'm looking through here, getting some answers. Um, but I started to notice some contradictions in it um, that I thought, well, surely I'm just not understanding this correctly. So I, you know, next time I had a meeting with my pastor about the Bible study, I, I brought up some of these questions and I'd already been asking them some other questions um, at other meetings. And, and finally he just starts kind of 
chuckling. And he said, uh, Amy, this is the women's Bible study. Hmm. Like, I think you're getting a, a little too serious here. Oh, wow. And these were questions that the women were asking too, you know? So, I mean, pretty much he said like, don't worry your pretty little faces about something this, um, this high doctrinally or theologically. Um, We don't expect you to learn that much. Um, So then I, I also think that there's just a tendency or a propensity to see, okay, oh, look, okay. This woman has, some, some vigor in, in learning the Bible and um, she's a good teacher. Great. We can have her teach the women's Bible study. And, and then the women become just kind of a separate arm of the church. Um, and so it's, we're not ever kind of incorporated into the whole body and, 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 and thought of as part of, um, you know, the thinking and the creativity and the literary contribution and, and all those things that happen within the, within the church, um, we're just our, our own separate, um, thing. And, you know, also even just comments that are made or, um, about, you know, Beth Moore kind of, I think I haven't read that since it came out years ago, but I I remember she, she addresses some of the comments made about her as, as a theological thinker, you know, or a Bible teacher that it's kind of less than like second class. Mm. Um, and, there's this uh, this odd, and I've had experienced this as well with with critique. Um, uh, they'll refer to our looks mm-hmm. as if that has anything to do with our contribution. Um, and you know, I think we've both been spoken about that way in in sexist ways, and then also in very demeaning ways. Like uh, you know, some of my critics have said that in one of my videos, I looked too brute. Like my mm. femininity was being taken away from me or I was not emphasizing that well enough. And I was looking too strong and, and they used the badass. Um, so wow. it's, it's just very reductive. Yeah. The, I'm trying, it's like, there's a whole bunch of ways that I could take that. I, I mean, I guess the, the, the following my gut and following my heart in this conversation would just be to pause and say, Amy, I'm I'm sorry as a male in the body of Christ for the way that I've watched or or at least in the last few days perceived other males in the body of Christ speaking about you. And uh, it really does break my heart because I'm a husband of 24 years. I'm, I'm a dad to a beautiful 19-year-old daughter and an amazing 15-year-old son. And it just... The, the whole idea of like Paul's talking about outdoing one another and showing honor, uh, I, I actually would like to think that it's possible to take that seriously, you know? And so I guess I, I'll try to, I, I want to learn, um, you know, to do that. And so I, I, I honor you um, for the fact that you're willing to have conversations and you're willing to bring things up that are not always comfortable. And I guess that to me, like maybe the, from the start in this conversation, the elephant in in my head in the conversation is the First Timothy passage, which I'm sure is the same one that that you have are, are kind of like receiving. It's like the the foundation for which the either the harassment or the positive critiques, depending on the person, might come from. So 
I guess I'd love if you're okay with just sharing your perspective. I'd love to hear, and I think we'd love to hear from your perspective. How how do we wrestle through what Paul says? With he says, "Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet." Um, that you know, I, we can all kind of see. Or even though Ben's experience was an amazing. Um, inclusion of female voices in leadership. My experience was kind of the opposite where it was basically the first Timothy experience where like uh, you're a deacon at best, but you don't go beyond that. So I, yeah, I guess I'm buying myself way too much awkward time, but what are, <laughs> yeah, what are, what are your thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of difficult to answer in like one short answer. I'm sure it is. It's hard to ask in one short question. You know, um, there'll be a lot to, to look at. There yeah. are, I believe that there are several plausible interpretations of that very difficult yeah. verse. Um, and so, first of all, I just want to look at it with humility and say that I don't feel like I have the interpretation figured out yet. Yeah. Um, some of my, uh, some of my um, main points with that, though, I would say is the way I see it right now is that those verses are within the context of corporate worship. And so when he's speaking about uh, women there and teaching, I think he's talking about that uh, in corporate worship in a, in a, in a form of uh, ordained office, yeah. a special office. Um, and so that doesn't mean that she can never teach. Um, but so, or else it would contradict so many other verses in scripture, which we know that is a, one big principle of biblical interpretation is that you can't contradict other areas of scripture. So I would say that there are plenty of verses um, showing women teaching and calling both men and women to teach, um, and, and mostly in, in uh, general office, as, just mm -hmm. as a disciple. But, um, you know, also this, this word authority in that um, passage, it's the only time it's used in the whole Bible in the Greek of, of that word used for authority. So um, that is interesting to say the least. There's a lot going on in the church in Ephesus at the time. Um, there's a lot going on with different, um, you know, pagan religions and, and, and magic even and, and, and different worship things. So I think that there is a cultural element to it. Um, also, um, that Greek word, um, a lot of its meaning uh, is kind of attached to usurping authority. And, and it's mm. kind of almost a violent word. So I think that it is speaking to something that's going on at the time there yeah. more. Um, and so it, it, I don't think it means like women don't have any authority ever uh, over men. And I also think that the way that the church has flattened even the more general sense of the word authority, not even the specific sense that's being used there. Um, I, th I don't think that we're using the word well anymore. Uh, we just use the word authority as like some kind of dictatorship, like this, this say so. Uh, that you have to obey. <laughs> um, and I don't think that that's the nature of the word in, in a lot of our discussion about authority. Um, it means we're authorized. Um, to have authority means you're authorized to, to do a specific thing. Um, it's not authorized to be in charge all the time over everything. And, um, and God is the one uh, with the ultimate authority. That is who we submit to. So anything, any kind of authority that we have is derivative from him. And yeah. it's to serve and to love. That is the main part of what authority is to do, is to love and to serve. And then 
when we have specific areas of it in the church to teach and to govern in special office, um, still under this banner of service and love for God's people. So it isn't a dictatorship anyway. Um, but yeah, that word in the Greek there really does um, denote something more um, aggressive and violent. So I, mm. I find that very interesting. So I, I look at that passage with some humility in, in the sense where I've read several plausible interpretations. Like some of them I think are more convincing than others. Sure. But um, I don't think that since that is a, a more confusing area of scripture to where people even in within their own camps have different interpretations yeah. um, that we need to look at all of scripture at, as we're interpreting that one section. And um, I certainly don't think it's some sort of um, blanket verse that gives all men spiritual authority over all women. And it's pretty fascinating even in that verse that um, he's, he's calling the women to learn. Hey, that isn't happening in that uh, culture at that time. Women weren't learning. Right. <laughs> you know, that's a big deal. So, yeah. um, you know, they're in a completely different culture in that sense. I do think he's appealing to creation some. I think that there's some um, principles there that are mm. go beyond the culture. Um, however, yeah, I think that they use this first to beat us over the head. Like we, we have nothing to teach men ever. And, and that's just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And it's, it, if anything, you and I, or we have just proved the point that we can carry on a civil discourse over an extremely challenging passage of scripture for all of us. And even though I awkwardly bought myself way too much time in just asking the question, it, your response and, and our conversation here, um, I don't know, I guess I, I would hope that this could become a normal part of <laughs> the, the Christian interaction with one another, and especially with people who aren't yet followers of Jesus. I mean, yeah. it just, if we can't ask each other really hard questions and be honest about it and do so in love and kindness and then listen, I, I just don't know that there's much hope for us. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. Especially on these verses that, you know, that take a lot of sensitivity and, and, and humility as we're yeah. talking about them, we have to be able to exercise that well. Yeah, hmm. Luke, what were you going to say? Oh, actually, I like I have a question that's a bit unrelated to this topic, and it relates to another book of yours, which I confess I haven't read. But, <laughs> but I've, but um, at least you're honest. So it comes up in some of the articles and conversations um, around the topic, and it's the one: um, why can't we be friends? And it made me think, just as, and this came up for me today, just as I was doing research this morning, European time. Um, that, because one of the things, uh, if I understood right, one of the things that you're challenging there is that we get too um, weird about um, like how we treat the opposite sex, and and we and we tend to kind of oversexualize or or, or make problems where there aren't any. Um, and I don't know if you directly mentioned this, but um, the uh, Billy Graham rule of like. Don't don't meet or eat with uh, somebody of the opposite sex uh, if you're married and that kind of thing. Now, my question is like, you know, I've to be honest, I've like often tried to follow that, and I found it helpful because you know, serving in missions and in ministry, I've often found that I just have to be extra careful, you know, to to not put myself in situations where I could cause trouble or I could confuse um, somebody, and uh, and just wanting to be wise in that area and sensitive to that 
and and yet you know i i'd like to hear your take on that to understand that position um like i guess and the question for me is like is 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 it not important for for me um and i'm not just because i'm a man but for a man or for a woman to um to be cautious around how close we get to somebody of the opposite sex when we're married and we're in ministry and that kind of thing yeah um certainly it's very important to want to treat one another um as uh, holistic human beings <laughs> is, is really what I'm getting at in this book that um, the Billy Graham rule per se, um, it's protective, but it's self-protective in a lot of ways. It's not actually exercising love for others. Um, and it's, it's too much of a blanket rule. Um, and I think that we get stunted in that then and we end up treating people um, badly. Uh, you might, might not mean to. Um, there are we need to exercise discernment in all of our interactions, and we very much need to um, make sure that we are uh, not putting ourselves in, in situations with, uh, that are causing temptation to sin. Um, and so that might mean that it, you're different in different situations with different people. Some people are more safe than others, um, and so we have to use that discernment. Some people, some you know, women or some men are not safe to like say grab lunch together while you're at a meeting. Um, and, and some, it's, it's perfectly fine. Uh, my husband is an elementary school teacher. He does not have the luxury <laughs> of the Billy Graham rule. So, um, you know, and I've been married 23 years. I want to make sure that my husband is able to not look at every woman that he's around as a sexual temptation, um, mm -hmm. that he actually is able to exercise self-control. And, and not only that, but to honor the women that he's with. Yeah. Um, and to model, you know, that as a man, that, that that's the type of person that is safe um, and, and actually truly caring. So I kind of get into uh, to that part of it, that that our responsibility is to promote one another's holiness um, mm -hmm. and that we're to grow in that. So, you know, at certain stages, wherever we are, there's going to be times where, you know, it's not wise to do certain things. And there's you know, certain things that it's never wise to do. Like, you know, my critics say, oh, so she's saying that men can drive women to a hotel room at night. <laughs> of course not. I'm not calling people to have uh, candlelight dinners together either. Um, there, you know, you could say, even for something like lunch, going into a public place isn't leaving you alone. You, you know, that's pretty smart. Uh, one, one thing that finally uh, really said, okay, I'm writing this book now, even though I know that I'm going to get in trouble for it was, you know, I found myself in a city at night um, and we were all leaving a restaurant and there were different doors. Um, and so I end up, you know, I was traveling alone um, and it's, it's night, it's raining. My car is parked down several blocks away in a sketchy alley because the parking lot was really small in this, you know, city. And um, that's the closest parking space I could get. And yet I was left to walk by myself um, at night when I could have been given a ride to my car mm. because of the Billy Graham rule. And right. I thought to myself, you know what, this isn't because this person yeah. thinks that I am, you know, that there's anything sexually tempting going to happen on this, this ride a couple blocks away. It's all about appearances. Mm -hmm. It was self-protection. And so all this preaching we do about masculinity and, mm. you know, chivalry and laying down our lives for women 
Right. You know, that was all bullcrap to me that it day. It didn't turn up there, did it? There weren't yeah. many protective men wanting to look after you no. in that No, and I just yeah. thought, to, you know, here I am walking down this alley thinking my husband would be so mad right now if he right. knew that, you know, what's happening. Totally. And so... Um, and rightfully so. Yeah, rightfully yeah. so. So I really wanted to get into the, okay, here's the reasons why men and women have trouble being friends and, and, and why you might not be able to do some of these things now or maybe <laughs> not any time in the near future. Um but here's, here's where we're headed. <laughs> here's who we are in Christ. Um, here's the mm. holistic way that we're supposed to view one another. Women aren't merely threats, um, you know, of, of temptation, <laughs> but um, we're made in, in the image of God as well. We're being transformed to likeness of Christ as well. We're your sisters. Um, and we have more than bodies. <laughs> we have right. minds and, and all these other great things. So, um, you know, that's what I'm getting into there. And I, it's, it's not let's throw all caution to the wind because, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the reasons why I say we men and women can't be good friends is because we don't take sin seriously. And we need to take sin yeah. seriously. Um, but we also need to take holiness seriously. And mm-hmm. we're, as uh, new creations in Christ uh, who have the Holy Spirit inhabiting us, we are no longer under the reign of sin. We're not under sin's power like that. We're under the reign of grace. So we are actually given the power to, to grow and to do good and to bless one another. And so, you know, thinking in more that way doesn't mean throw all caution to the wind, um, that I I don't fall into sin kind of thing. Um, I, I'm a child of divorce and it, you know, rocked my world when my parents got divorced. I know, you know, I never want to, to, um, I want my marriage to be successful, uh, even more so. Um, but, Sometimes I think we stunt our own growth and, and just making these blanket rules and, and it affects the way that we view the opposite sex. Yeah, and I, I guess there's always ways of, of being cautious and yet loving and honoring to each other. I think that's a really important point you're making. Like I've had situations come up like I've been away at a conference somewhere and then somebody's like written to me and said, oh, you must meet, um, you know, this this girl. She's leading this ministry. It's really good. You should meet her. You know, I'm going to set you guys up to have a coffee tomorrow. And then the next thing, you know, I do is I'll call like one of the girls on my team and I'll be like, hey, there's this great girl. We're going to go meet her tomorrow together. And then, you know, we'll go together. And, and, and so I bring other people into it and we're able to, you know, hear from each other. And I can carefully avoid situations that wouldn't be great without being weird about it or dishonoring or saying, hey, I can't meet you because, you know, you're a girl and I'm a guy. But there, there are other ways of being honoring and caring and, you know, and, and still, you know, one, one, I wanted to hear what she had to say. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, I've spoken with women in seminary whose professors wouldn't meet with them, even though that's part of what your experience you're supposed to get is that, you know, one hour or whatever, um, they could have made it more public instead of, you know, yeah. just in their office. Mm-hmm. Um, so the men in the class get to, to have that opportunity, but the women didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, different career things like that with, you know, a lot happens over lunches sometimes. A lot of decisions are made over lunches and, um, you know, women get left out of a lot of that kind of thing. Well, and then again, the... The inconsistency of it, right? I mean, again, a lot of the times the the sense of authority will be justified in a sense of protectionism and concern for all women and, and a love and a care for all women. And yet, like you said, in a situation where you could have used some some help, you were sort of abandoned the name of uh, a name of a of a principle, you know. And then and then you just you look at the statistics of pornography. You look at the kinds of things that Christians are promoting that they're watching online. Like, hey, I just watched this episode of this show. It's like the inconsistencies of the sexuality and the compromise 
and then you're right, show some individual discernment and and maybe not in the office, maybe in the cafeteria, whatever. But it it just feels like often the 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 good reasons behind these things don't really tend to manifest. It's it's a little bit self-focused and contradictory often. And but again, with all of this stuff, it's not it's not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And I think that's often where I land on this stuff is that it is complex. There is incredible nuance and we need grace, right? That, that uh, as we've continued to say throughout this conversation, are there differences in the genders? Of course, has secular society corrupted that to the point where we are seeing devastating consequences in a, in a myriad of ways? Absolutely. Um, but we can't have a simplistic view of this or a reactionary view of this or a fear-based view of this. We still have to wrestle with these things that have consequences. Anyway, I really I really appreciate uh, your humility and your honesty. And like Chad said, um, for where you have been treated that way, that is just is not right. And, and I, I think of what, what that looks like, not only to other Christians, but to a secular world that's watching. And I can't imagine. It's like, hey, come to this Jesus but if you get anything wrong or disagree with us at all, we're going to just cast you out. What kind of witness is that? But anyway, uh, Chad, I think you can close us out here. Yeah. Can we can we just close with a little prayer for you, Amy? That'd be wonderful. Thanks. Cool. So Jesus, thank you so much for uh, this time. God, thank you that you love us. Even um, when we can oftentimes find ourselves getting in the way of your love or stepping out in ways that maybe we shouldn't. And uh, Lord, I just confess to you that I um, need you. And uh, that sounds so cliche. Even in praying it, it just sounds like like I want to call BS on myself um, because it, do- it doesn't really represent how needy this heart is for you. Um, but Lord, it is it is true, and I do mean it. And I pray that you would give every single one of us and all of our listeners, the ability um, to recognize our need and um, your desire to provide in, in every way for us. So be with Luke and his, and his COVID um, recovery and David and his COVID recovery. And um, God, we just pray that you would continue to bless the work of Amy's hands. Um, God, the, the ministry that you've given her, the voice that you've given her, the opportunities. And um, thank you. Thank you for who she is. Thank you that we're stronger and better because of what you've been doing in her life. Be with her family. And um, yeah, thank you so much uh, for what you're doing. We love you in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you, Amy. Yeah, thank you. It was, uh, yeah, my uh, pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So this was awesome. Yeah. So this will come out for those uh, listening. Uh, This will come out in a few days. Uh, otherwise, uh, again, as I said, rate and review this podcast and uh, share this episode and because I think it'll really, really encourage people. So, uh, yeah, that's it. We will, uh, we will talk to you next time. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Provoke and Inspire podcast. To listen to past episodes, search Provoke and Inspire on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are found. See you next time.